CITR, Voices of UBC. And welcome in to Thunderbird Eye. And my name is Jacob Bear. Alongside me are Jake McGrail, Liz Wang, Corey Branson, and Nico Roselli of CITR Sports, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9, always keeping you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories. It is that time of year where all the sports calendars begin to overlap as volleyball and basketball are now underway. Meanwhile, women's rugby made some playoff history. We will touch on that later. There was also a UBC rowing meet, a baseball game, a football win, some hockey redemption, Nico, to a degree, a mediocre weekend for soccer and basketball, um, and a big announcement from an ex-UBC swimmer, Brent Hayden, which we will try and give you a clip at the end if we are somewhat on time. Let's start things off on the court in Canada West volleyball fashion. Yeah, and uh, I have to say that the Canada West Volleyball regular season is officially started. Um, last weekend, the women's volleyball team traveled to Winnipeg and competed with the University of Winnipeg Westman for their season opener. Unfortunately, the birds were able to top the Westman on both nights, taking them down 3-1 to one on Saturday and also 3-0 to zero on Sunday. Despite not having Kira Van Rijk, the Thunderbirds still did well at the service line. On Saturday, the birds had eight, yes, eight aces, Compared to Winnipeg's three on Sunday, they then got nine to increase that total, while the Westmen only were able to manage four. Yeah, and it was Courtney Hillier, third year, didn't receive a ton of playing time in her first two seasons, but she had eight of those 17 aces and had 10 kills and eight digs in the two games combined. So she's definitely stepping into a bigger role uh, this season. Yeah, and uh, as well as um, Anna Price, who led the team in kills on the weekend, combining for 21 kills on a 0.296 hitting percentage. She was also second on the team in dicks, with 11 in both matches. Yeah, Gabrielle Atia made her return after missing all of last season due to injury. She recorded a combined 20 kills and 3.5 and blocks. The Thunderbirds also did all of this without star Olivia Furlan, who's recovering from a foot injury. Yeah, and Gabby Atea is going to be really important this season for them, especially without Kira Van Rijk. She'll be probably in that starting six almost every single match, so expect big things from her. Yeah, and talking about the men's side, unlike the women's team, they actually didn't take home two victories from Winnipeg. They actually fell 3-1 to one in the first game against the Westman, but quickly bounced back in the second game on Sunday, taking it to another 3-1 to one finish. And Colton Liu was the star of the weekend as he put up 16 kills on a 423 hitting percentage in the first match, followed by 17 kills on a 407 hitting percentage in the second. The only bad news is that while he had six aces over the two matches, he had 17 service errors. Yeah, and alongside with uh, Colton Liu is Matt Neves, who was the only other player who reached double-digit kills in either match, combining for 30 on the weekend. Um, and Jordan Deshane was reliable, as well, always, with 15 kills, 4.5 blocks, and a 0.488 percentage for the weekend. you got to love how Matt Neves has left that first five to six matches of his UBC Thunderbird career and just flipped it on its head. Yeah. Completely changed everything for the positive. Matt Neves going to be a big impact player for them again this year 
Also, Gerard Murray stepped into the role left by graduated Joel Vergeer, and he provided 12 kills and three digs on an efficient 556 hitting percentage. Yeah, definitely there's a lot to expect from um, the season's roster this year. And next up for both of our volleyball teams, two more road matches, this time against Saskatchewan tomorrow and Saturday. Now taking a look at rowing, which unlike volleyball is nearing the end of their season, both the men's and women's rowing teams competed at the head and tail of the Gorge meet in Victoria this past weekend. Both teams posted some strong results. This was a warm-up for the Canadian University Rowing Championships in Victoria, which will take place two weekends from now, as both teams will be looking to defend their titles. UBC competed in two rounds of the men's senior junior varsity eights, and Coxman Rachel Little led the men's team to victories in both rounds. Yeah, the men's team will be looking to set a record and win their fourth consecutive title two weekends from now at the Canadian University Rowing Championships in Victoria. More national championships, always good. Yeah, some continued dominance there. Not much to complain about. Yeah, the women's team, they won the senior women's quads at the meet, led by first-year Nadia Gontova. Her team beat the competition by almost a full minute, coming in at a solid 12 minutes, 12 seconds, compared to 13-11 for the closest competition. That, that is a massive difference. I mean, percentage-wise, that's, I don't know, almost a full 10% better, about 8% better than the next team. I mean, massive. In another sport, that's not even close, like a sprint yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. It's like Usain Bolt back in 08 <laughs> at Beijing, basically. Uh, the women were victorious in their first round of the, su- of the senior junior varsity women's eights, led by first-year Jordan Fahey. However, they dropped this their second-round race to Uvic. Mm, always, always fun to Uvic. see losses to Uvic. <laughs> it's all right. We got some redemption against them in women's rugby. So we did. We that's did. okay. Um, back to rowing. The women's team will try to win their second straight national championship two weekends from now at Elk Lake in Victoria. So you never know. Maybe we can win Victoria when, it, when the championship's on the line, right? Yeah. That's true. Get a sweep two years in a row, maybe. I hear we have more good news from football. Is this true? Or <laughs> hold is on, this hold on. Before we get into that, I want to say I have some beef with rowing. What kind of event title is Senior Junior Varsity? <laughs> we will look into that. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to still get that interview with the rowers, so maybe we can get some <laughs> clarification. Yeah, please ask that question, Jacob. But yes, you're right. Football, great news. I have to say, never doubt the power of momentum. Coming off their first victory and on a day when the Thunderbirds were recognizing their two-time Vanier Cup winning former coach and Canadian Football Hall of Fame inductee Frank Smith, the T-Birds played like a national championship outfit. In a game chock full of highlights, UBC sealed a 38-37 victory over number 3 Saskatchewan with a last-minute Garen McDonald field goal. That kick completed a multiple-score fourth-quarter comeback in which all of the Thunderbirds worked their tails off for a victory. Now, there may be only one game left in the season, and playoffs are no longer a possibility, but we can finally say with confidence that this is a fun football team. And let me me set the stage for you guys. So down 37 to 35, a minute 29 left. McDonald comes on the field, go-ahead 42-yard field goal. He misses it. That's not good. However, defense, they got his back. uh, A Daniel Kwamu sack forces a two-and-out. Thunderbirds get the ball back with just over a minute left. Uh, 30-yard catch from Jacob Patton. Put Who UBC else? Back in the red zone. Yes, we'll touch on him in just a second as well. But McDonald got a chance for redemption, and he got an 11-yard field goal with 28 seconds left. You better hope you get that 11-yarder. <laughs> you better hope. 
Then the drama did not stop. Even with just 28 seconds remaining, Saskatchewan put together a last gasp drive of their own and made it into long field goal range with six seconds remaining. So about 20 seconds had elapsed. Somehow they found their way down into a very long field goal range. And alas, David Solis 49-yard try went wide right. And this heart-pounding affair was finally put to rest with a Thunderbird victory. <laughs> Solis, yeah. no uh, Nico DeFonte. No Nico DeFonte. <laughs> David Soli, watch his tape. It will amaze you. <laughs> uh, Jake touched on it a little bit. Jacob Patton, take a bow. Second-year receiver, receiver put up 203 yards on 10 catches with a touchdown as well. This was the first time a T-Bird has gone over 200 yards receiving since Travell Pinto did that. Woo! Back in the day. Three years ago, he had 244 yards and three touchdowns. But that isn't even fair to Patton because that game in 2016 had four overtime periods. Pinto had all the time in the world to pat his stats. That one finished 53-50 over Manitoba. Olivares, in his own right, the quarterback for the Thunderbirds, had a strong stat line. He threw 27 for 40, 375 yards. May I remind you, he was the backup option at the beginning of the season. Since they've started him, I believe they're 2-1. and one. So he also threw two touchdowns, just one interception. Ben Hladik recorded seven tackles as well as a 50-yard pick six. Hladik is huge on defense for the Thunderbirds. Also, Kenny Ezekike led the defense with 10 tackles. Thunderbirds will wrap up the season in Calgary on Saturday against the conference-leading Dinos. A month ago, this game would have been a complete write-off, but don't be surprised if this team plays the role of spoiler one last time, especially with the way they're playing now. Baseball, believe it or not, has had a preseason game now, and this was against a very, very formidable rival, and it actually went pretty dang well. They were defeated in a close match against Oregon State 3-2, to down in the States off of a two-run walk-off single. So this means that the Thunderbirds held the lead against Oregon State into the ninth inning. Yes, they lost, (laughs) but this was a loss that was... Moral victories, baby. Right. Small steps. This was the team's first action since UBC's Collegiate Baseball Classic two months ago, and they are not scheduled to play again until February 8th when they take on Concordia, which is in Oregon in a three-game series, but that will take place here at home. Yeah, UBC starting pitcher Garrett Hawkins, he only went four innings, but he did pretty well in those four innings. He struck out two, allowed uh, one run on just two hits, didn't walk anyone either, so solid outing from him. UBC batters Jackson Volk and Brett Corbett both went one for three with one home run apiece as well. And this is the Thunderbirds' only fall game this season, just to reiterate, they will now go into hibernation mode. They are kind of like bears in a way. (laughs) This will take, and then come early February, they'll get back into action, but against OSU. A powerhouse school, one of the best in all of college baseball. 3-2 to two loss. Thunderbirds are looking good. Yeah. I'm excited for this next baseball season. Kind of funny. They only play one game in six months. Hey, but. you know, just, <laughs> keep, okay. it, it is what just it is. keep it loose enough. <laughs> See where you're at. Uh, moving on to hockey. Both the men's and women's teams split their respective series against Regina this past week. The men finally got their first win in Canada West play, winning by a score of 4-1 to one in their second game, redeeming themselves after a 2-1 loss in game one. The women's team saw their record improve to 2-2-2 two, two, and two, with a 2-1 victory in Game 1 and a 3-2 shootout loss in Game 2. Starting off with the men's, UBC came into Friday's contest at home searching for their first win of the season against the Regina side that was looking to do the exact same thing. The tight affair did not go the way UBC would have wanted, with late third period heroics giving Regina the win. 
Yeah, both goaltenders played very well in Game 1 with Brandon Holtby making 39 saves and Thunderbirds backup Patrick Dea making 23 saves of his own. And then after the Rams took the lead in the first off of a power play, Quinn Benjafeld solved Holtby in the second as UBC outshot Regina 18-9 in that middle period. Yeah, things were looking up for the Thunderbirds. It remained tight all the, way, all the way through the third, but unfortunately it was Regina's Arthur Miller, who scored the late winner. The Rams took the 2-1 win. It was redemption for Miller because he missed a penalty shot very early on in the game, but he comes back right at the death, gets the winner against the Thunderbirds. Not great. (laughs) Game 2 saw UBC score four unanswered goals, including three in the third period, en route to a 4-1 win, which was, as Nico mentioned, their first of the season. Yeah, that's a bit better. The game, (laughs) that game, the second one, was tied heading into the third, but that didn't last long as... Brett Clayton scored his first Canada West goal just 56 seconds into that game, followed shortly thereafter by a Carter Popoff and Benjafeld. Both goalies played well again with Ryland Toth making 29 saves and Holpe 31 despite taking the loss. We're still trying to figure out if Brandon Holpe is related to Braden Holpe, still in the works. No conclusive evidence. <laughs> no conclusive evidence yet. We have some coincidental evidence or circumstantial They're evidence. both from Saskatchewan. They, they're both goaltenders. So both named Holpe. Maybe there's something. Maybe there's something there. You <laughs> Maybe know. we just have to go ask. Second, <laughs> second cousins. Uh, there, we've mentioned the Thunderbirds team is... Uh, Bit, played a bit rough a lot of points this season that uh, continued in this game as Sean Dosinge received a game misconduct and a five-minute major for a check to the head. It's not really what you like to see. Uh, Regina's Turner Ripplinger also received a game misconduct, so this men's team is certainly no stranger to uh, uh, going pedal to the metal, I guess, putting their opponents they're giving it their all on the ice. <laughs> we'll say that. I will um, say some questionable, some questionable hits, perhaps. Turner Ripplinger, great name, incredible name. I don't great care hockey he, name. I don't care what he does. Ripplinger, Ripplinger. Can you imagine getting announced that every game from the in-house announcer? Now on the ice, Turner Ripplinger. Yeah, hype like, me up if I was in the crowd, right? <laughs> yeah, Turner Ripplinger's play. Uh, UBC, they'll be on the road next. They're taking on the Manitoba Bisons. That'll be on Saturday and on Sunday. And now we will look at the women's side. The women started off their weekend with a 2-1 victory away in Regina. Special teams were the main story in Game 1. All three goals came during a power play, including a shorthanded marker from Ashley McFadden to give UBC a 1-0 lead in the first. That lead stood until the third when JC Magwood found the back of the net on the power play as well. Ryland McKinnon responded for the T-Birds with a power play goal of her own at the 15:52 mark with her goal standing as the eventual game winner. Yeah, Tori McLash climbing up the Canada West all-time leaderboards this season. The UBC goalie stopped 13 shots, so wasn't uh, called into action too much to earn her 36th career conference uh, victory that moved her into a tie for ninth on Canada West's all-time wins list. She needs just three more to tie the UBC record, and so she'll probably get that this season. And I believe she's also up there for shutouts. We'll have to check Mm -hmm. back in on that stat, but I think she's towards the top five as well. A very great career for uh, her. (laughs) Yeah. On the topic of special teams, looking at Game 2, they were the story again on that night. Of the five goals scored between UBC and Regina, only one was not scored on the power play or shorthanded. Lots of penalties in this game as well, which kind of puts the special team's note into context. UBC recorded 22 penalty minutes and Regina recorded 20. Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot of penalty minutes. The first period was, however, scoreless, but the second saw UBC jump out to a 2-0 lead with goals just 2 minutes and 19 seconds apart. 
Both were scored by Hannah Clayton Carroll, offensive juggernaut in this one. Yeah, things were looking up for UBC after Clayton Carroll's goal until Regina's Elise Endicott scored shorthanded to make the game 2-1 to one heading into the third. And Regina needed just three minutes in the third to get the equalizer as Jordan Kolbilda converted on the power play. Overtime didn't solve anything. UBC fell into a shootout. Always tough to lose in a uh, shootout. When it's a shootout, it's anybody's game. Um, UBC will be at home to host Manitoba this week and have picked up points in four consecutive games. Best of luck to both hockey sides moving forward. And we are going to take a quick break for ads and PSAs, and then we'll come back. Crackdown is coming to CITR. Starting August 30th, CITR will be airing the award-winning podcast about Vancouver's overdose crisis, told by drug user activists and supported by research. Crackdown is hosted by celebrated documentarian and longtime drug user Garth Mullins. Catch Crackdown every Friday morning at 8 a.m. here on CITR 101.9 FM. Don't miss the dreamy guitar pop sounds of Penelope Isles. Catch this up-and-coming band live at the Biltmore Cabaret on October 29th. Tickets are on sale now at eventbrite.com and Redcat Records. Presented by MRG Concerts, CITR Radio, and Discorder Magazine. Folks, welcome back to Thunderbird Eye. This is Jacob Air. Jake, Nico, and Corey are still in the studio. Liz has left to get to class, but we have very good news for you here. We have hyped it up from the past show, and it paid off. UBC Women's Rugby are Canada West champions. Woo! Let's get a round of applause. UBC Women's Rugby killing it. In the semifinals, they took down their Legends Cup rivals in the Victoria Vikes by a score of 29 to ni- 21 to 19. It was a very gritty match that they almost let slip away from them, but they were able to put the nail in the coffin by surging in the second half of the finals to down the Calgary Dinos 26 to 12. So they won the semis, they won the finals, and on top of that, the men's team even managed to pull off their fourth straight league victory, this time by a score of 29 to 17 against the Castaway Wanderers. Yeah, on the women's side, uh, out in Lethbridge, they had their semifinal match against the Vikes on Saturday afternoon. And then less than 24 hours later, they had to play another full match, took on Calgary in the finals on Sunday at noon. Let's start with the semifinals there. It was a breezy Saturday afternoon. The T-Birds were just able to hold off a surging Victoria Vikes side. They advanced by a score of 21-19. to And then the Thunderbirds had a great start. They opened scoring just 14 minutes in with the Jillian Bogue try. Though the Vikes leveled the score quickly, Shoshana Samanatafa retook the lead with a try heading into halftime, which Brianna Akins of the UBC Thunderbirds extended to 21-7 to early in that second half. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, th- or almost unfortunately, the Thunderbirds uh, did not extend that lead any further. Victoria's creeping back into the game. Started to come back with a try with 15 minutes to play. Importantly, though, they missed the convert. They scored again with five minutes left to cut the lead to two. The Thunderbirds were just able to eke out this win against Victoria. I believe it's three straight wins against the Vikes this season for the women's side. Hey, Legends Cup (laughs) rivalry. Whether it's an official game or not, you know it's head-to-head. 
Looking at the finals, the finals appearance was their first in Canada West since 2006, and the Thunderbirds scored 21 unanswered second-half points to claim the program's first Canada West title. Hang the banner. Second round of applause. Second round of applause here. Hang the banner. It was a 26-12 win over the three-time defending champion Calgary Dinos. It was an especially tough win because of those three-time defending champs expecting really to get a fourth straight and it looked like they were at the beginning as Calgary took a 13-5 to lead into halftime. But the Thunderbirds got a penalty try on the board in the 43rd minute, which kind of gave them the, mom- the momentum. And they took the lead as Bogue tri- scored her second try of the weekend very soon after. Yeah, Rachel Smith added insurance with a try in the 63rd to give the Thunderbirds the 26-12 lead. And they shut down the Dinos from there to take the championship Really amazing play defensively. Uh, Calgary had 12 points in the game's first 20 minutes and rushed out to that lead. But after that point, the Dinos were completely shut out for the next 60. And after the game, there's some awards handed out, some individual awards. So Manitoba was named the 2019 Canada West Player of the Year. That's our friend of the show. Friend of the show. Get that sweet, sweet Thunderbird eye bump. Uh, She led the conference in tries with seven and converts with 11 in just the regular season and then added one try and five converts in just two playoff games. UBC coach Dean Merton was also named the 2019 Coach of the Year, so lots of Thunderbirds awards after this win. This was just his second season as full-time head coach, and I'm sure he credits a lot of that award to Sumana Tafa, who really turned this team around. And she's only in her third year, so she's going to be back again next year, Thunderbirds be looking good and what is it just Samantha Taffa, uh Bogue, Akins, and Emma Feldinger our other friend of the show on the team we're all named to the Canada West all-star team and uh, next up for them is the U Sports Women's Rugby Championship set to take place between October 31st and November 3rd and with that championship they have some pretty good placing now because of their number one ranking they'll get to face a lower tiered team so they have mm-hmm. a pretty good shot here not only winning their first Canada West title but making a serious push for a U-Sports title. On the men's side, although they're not yet into playoffs, they were able to rumble onto their fourth straight Premier League victory to push their season record to 4-1 after beating the Castaway Wanderers 29-17. Yeah, this one was kind of similar to the semifinal on the women's side. The Birds headed into the change room up 19-0 against uh, the Castaway Wanderers. And that game got close as 19-12 was the... uh, Closest score that happened before the Birds tacked on a pair of tries to extend their lead into the double digits. And next up for the men's side, more Premier League action playing Capilano RFC October 26th. That is Saturday uh, in the afternoon. And moving on to soccer. Overall, it was an admirable performance from our soccer teams with the men going one and one and the women winning and recording a draw. Both teams have massive matches coming up, so these final tune-ups should help with confidence moving forward. Start off by looking at the men's. UBC did, not, did end up losing their opening game of the weekend by a score of 4-1 to one against TWU. They rebounded nicely, shutting out UFV in Game 2. Hey, guys, uh, Victor Shimbusho scored. Friend of the yeah, show. Another friend of the show. That's good. <laughs> yeah, he scored a penalty kick. Not much uh, else that was good happened in the Trinity Western game. is uh, not great. <laughs> Unfortunate, but on the Trinity Western side, it was... Cody Franzen, hat-trick that helped seal their key win, jumping out to a 2-0 first-half lead and then followed it up with two more goals in the second half. Yeah, prior to Friday, UBC hadn't allowed more than two goals in a single game in all of 2019. 
Uh, and this was also the first Spartans win against UBC in nearly two years. Uh, last win was a 2-1 to victory back in October of 2017. Yeah, this tied the biggest ever loss Thunderbirds have had against Trinity Western. They lost 4-1 to to them back in 2007. So this is a bit out of the ordinary for them, giving up this many goals, losing about this much to at least uh, Trinity Western. So hopefully it's just a blip. <laughs> And moving on to game two, it was more of what we were used to seeing out of the men's team. They earned a 3-0 shutout win to end off the regular season against UFB. UBC honored five graduating seniors before the match. Kerman Panu, Monraj Baines, Jason Roberts, Luke Griffin, and Sean Einerson. Roberts is going to be a big loss next season, the dependable number one goalie. Even Einerson is going to be a big loss in his own right. Uh, they're definitely going to miss some players next season, so hopefully making a deep push this year. Yeah, UBC was everywhere you wanted them to be statistically in this one. They outshot UFV 11-4, to with shots on target being 7-1, to and the opposition again had more than double UBC's fouls. UFV finished with 17 and UBC only 8. The Thunderbirds got two quick goals in the 20th and then 26th minute, with Sam Fletcher converting a free kick and Kerman Panu finishing off a cross from Jordan Haynes. Thomas Gardner added another in the 50th minute, scoring his second free kick of the game. And it is time for soccer playoffs as the Thunderbirds take on Alberta here at home in the Canada West quarterfinal tomorrow. And now moving on to the women's side. The women played well in their last two games, earning a nil-nil draw against Calgary and a 3-1 win against Northern BC. Both games show that this UBC team are strong in all areas of the pitch, which is backed up by their 8-2-4 record. Yeah, this game always going to be a tough defensive battle. Calgary tied for first in Canada West with just five goals against. UBC third best even to Canada West with just eight goals against. And uh, neither team able to break the deadlock in this one. And then UBC also honored their four graduating seniors in Natasha Klasios, Amelia Crawford, Lisanne Musico, and Marissa Mastropieri. UBC's best chance came in the 70th minute where a Caitlin Tolnai shot hit the post, but neither team was able to break the deadlock. It is worth mentioning that UBC outshot Calgary 11-5, but Calgary had the advantage in shots on target 2-1. So UBC was not finding the the net in general on this one. <laughs> weren't three, even finding the goalkeeper. You right, three shots in target combined in a game. That's, that's, that's tough. That's a nil-nil draw. <laughs> that's, that's the classic nil-nil. Yeah. Uh, game two, UBC scored three first-half goals en route to a 3-1 victory over UNBC. They got going early when Alyssa Hunt found the back of the net in the eighth minute. Michelle Jang would later convert in the 28th minute before assisting Hunt in the 40th. UBC outshot UNBC 12-6 and 6-1 to in shots on target, so they're able to find the net or at least the goalkeeper a lot more in this one. The one shot on goal for UNBC did go in, but when it did in the 83rd minute, the game was all but over. UNBC did clinch the sixth and final playoff spot in the Pacific, so they are not done yet. UBC, meanwhile, will take on Lethbridge tomorrow in Saskatoon in a play-in game at noon. I'm going to read out the all-time record between UBC and Lethbridge. From October 24th, 1986 to the present day, UBC has 18 wins, zero losses, and one draw. They beat Lethbridge 4-0 earlier this season. Due to my ongoing battle with sports superstition, I will not comment further on the matter. Do with this information that would, whatever you want. I'm not making any predictions. <laughs> I, I can't do it after what happened. Sounds like uh, UBC, might, UBC might have a slight advantage. 
We're just, but maybe. Hey, hey, that's we what, don't know. Hey, we that's don't what know. Jacob we're said. Just, that's not what Nico said. <laughs> we're, just, we're, just, we're just laying out very plain statistics. Stats are, <laughs> stats are non-biased. Yeah, they, they, stats can't jinx. Uh, looking at basketball, they're almost done their preseason, going to be getting the regular season underway in the next couple of weeks. The women's side were in Toronto for the Ryerson Darcel Wright Memorial Classic. That's a mouthful. Quite a mouthful there. They went one and two. They beat McMaster seventy-nine to sixty-nine in the first game before losing seventy-one to fifty-three to Ryerson and sixty-six to sixty to McGill. Unsurprisingly, one of the stars, Keelan Filowich, was dominant for the most part. She averaged nineteen points, seven boards, and two steals a game on sixty-five percent shooting. The bad part was that she also averaged five turnovers turnovers a game and shot just 5 of 11 from the free throw line. A couple aspects of her game she's going to need to improve come season. Jessica Hansen also struggled with turnovers. She also averaged 5 per game, but she did chip in an average of 13 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists. Yeah, a few Thunderbirds trying to get rid of some of the rest before the regular season starts. We mentioned last week Kate Johnson has struggled in the preseason, and that continued. She had just 8 points in the 3 games combined on 4 of 16 shooting. Although she did have eight assists and had a positive assist to turnover ratio, unlike Hanson and Haley Council. Yeah, this weekend, Thunderbirds, they are in Calgary for their final two preseason matches. They face Mount Royal tomorrow. They face Alberta on Saturday. Meanwhile, the men's team also went 1-2 and two in their Ontario preseason tournament. They were at the Waterloo Naismith Tournament. They lost 87-74 to to Waterloo and 95-92 to to Wilfrid Laurier before beating Concordia 86-77. to Mason Borsier had the best weekend of any Thunderbird, averaging 23 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a pair of steals over those 3 games on 72% shooting. This is a real statistic, folks. 78% from 3. You know, if he shoots 78% from 3 for the whole season, I think the Thunderbirds are going to win a lot of games. (laughs) I can also probably make that conclusion, yes. On the opposite end of the spectrum was the normally very good Grant Shepard, who combined for just 12 points on 3 of 11, shooting in the two losses, before he did bounce back with 19 points on 8 of 15, shooting in the win. Now, uh, your weekly Lincoln Rosebush update. My boy only saw brief action in the first two games, but he did explode for 11 points and 7 rebounds in 19 minutes off the bench against Concordia. That's 11 points. That was fourth on the team, 7 rebounds, second on the team. I'm just going to say the one game that they won over the weekend was the one where he got big minutes. So You know what we call him over here, the hero of the show. Hero of the show, idol of the show, Lincoln Rosebush. Uh, Thunderbirds will play their final preseason game at home tomorrow night against Mount Royal. And before we get going to the outro of the show, we have a brief clip from this, uh, actually just yesterday, Brent Hayden, the ex-UBC Thunderbird swimmer and Olympian, is, well... Trying to come back to swimming. He's 36 years old, and he made an announcement that he's training now for Tokyo 2020. Here's a bit on what he had to say about his attempt at a comeback and what he's looking forward to and what he knows uh, is going to be challenging in the upcoming months. Yeah, this past summer, um, I I didn't think that this was going to be something that I was going to be doing. Um, You know, I retired in 2012, and I was very adamant about stepping away uh, from the sport and to give you some insight um, I've only just recently started uh, started talking about this recently but uh, most people know that I was suffering from chronic back spasms uh, before the London Games uh, for the last four years uh, of my career really 
And before the London Olympic Games, I suffered uh, perhaps the worst back spasm um, I ever had. And it's been four days almost unable to walk. I had to pull myself onto my bed to, to go to sleep. Like, I couldn't use my legs. And I remember actually asking Tom if I should just retire before, uh, before the Olympics. And Tom um, was not having that answer. And uh, he, got my, he got my head straight and we able to get back on track. I was able to find a way to get back in the water. And ultimately, um, when I walked out for my 100 meter freestyle final in London, that was the furthest I'd ever gone in an individual event. Uh, Beijing, I was expected to get a medal and I didn't even make it to the final. So already there, I was going further than I'd ever gone before and I was doing it with everything um, going wrong. Um, so I talked about my back um, the day of, my rib, my rib was out of place too and my goggles, uh, something was going wrong with my goggles too, but um, something that a lot of people didn't know was that that year was the worst year of my life because I was spiraling towards depression. Uh, I had been, uh, I had to have my psychologist on call, uh, doing many house calls, sometimes two in a week. So for me to win that medal was, um, it meant more, I think, than most people realize. If, uh, if you want to look at, if you actually knew the year I had actually had getting there. So for me, uh, without a without a solution for my back spasms and without an end to um, to the spiral that I was going through, I just knew I couldn't be successful moving forward. So I took the opportunity to retire my career on a high note and close that chapter and move on with my new one. So for the last seven years, I was very content with being retired. Um, I did try to get into the pool every now and then, but I, I think I just fell out of the love of the sport because uh, because of that last year, and I I never wanted to step foot in the pool again. And if I did make it in, I couldn't wait to to get back out. Uh, this past summer, my wife and I were in Lebanon for three months, uh, just living just north of Beirut, and you know I started getting back into the pool there. I had access to an unbelievable pool called the Jaita Country Club. Uh, They're fortunate. To, uh, are very, uh, um, they're very nice and you know, they gave me access to their pool for the duration of our stay for free. So I just started getting back in the water, started filming an online swim course. And um, you know, I, just being in the water, I started realizing, one, how much I love being in the water, and two, seven years of not being in the pool, but seven years of working out in the gym regularly. Uh, my body felt stronger than it had ever felt before. Uh, I felt powerful, I felt fast. So I started testing it and uh, you know, I realized that my body wasn't as old as I thought it was. And I realized that you know, if this is something that I wanna do, now's the time. So I think the most important thing was is that first I fell in love with the sport again. Um, and all those old memories started coming back, but two, that I felt my body would be able to do it. So if this was planned perfectly, if I had been planning to do a comeback, I would have announced a comeback much earlier and you know, planned going through world championships and and whatnot but sometimes life isn't perfect and you just have to go with your gut and this was um, a gut decision much like it was my gut decision to retire and I could not be happier to be back I feel I don't have anything to prove uh, this time around um, I'm really just doing this because uh, you know I fell in love with the sport again and I kind of want another chance to to fall in love with the sport again in in competition, and I believe I can show a lot of people that you know age really is uh, just a number. And if you do have dreams and if you have goals, uh, sometimes you just have to just go for it. And so that's why I'm here today.
That was former Olympian and, more importantly, former Thunderbird Brent Hayden speaking uh, to the general public about his intention to come back to swimming. At least that is his goal at the moment. Looking ahead to this weekend's action for the Thunderbirds, tomorrow we have a swimming meet at the uh, at Calgary. It's going to be UBC, Calgary, and Lethbridge swimmers all competing against each other. Hopefully, there will be more results for that one posted than were posted for the swimming meet that apparently happened last week that we just have absolutely no record of for uh, for Thunderbird swimmers. So hopefully, we'll be able to talk about our great swimmers on our next show. Also, soccer playoffs starting. Women's soccer playing that play-in game against, Leth- against Lethbridge tomorrow. Men's soccer taking on Alberta in the evening here at home. Both basketball teams are playing preseason action. Men's here at home, women's in Alberta. Women's hockey playing the first game of the weekend against Manitoba. And our two volleyball teams playing Saskatchewan in the first game of their weekend series. On Sunday, there is the Cross-Country Canada West Championships in Calgary. There is another more swimming in Calgary. Just a lot of UBC Thunderbird stuff happening in Calgary, including a football game against the Dinos. Volleyball playing their two games again. Both hockey teams in action against Manitoba. The women's team is the one here at home. Men's rugby playing Capilano, RFC. Women's basketball, more preseason. And women's field hockey playing the first of two crucial weekend games against Victoria. They'll probably end up deciding who goes on to the national championship game. And who guessed the Thunderbirds were going to go three and five? I think there was a couple of us for the football. That this was is, I. I did guess three and five. I think. Yeah. I, I think There's I might have. Too. I think you said four and four, Jacob. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to listen back to that episode. Stop, tr- stop trying to take credit. Uh, and then on Sunday, more swimming. Uh, the women's soccer quarterfinals. If UBC is able to beat Lethbridge, they will take on Saskatchewan on the road in the quarterfinals. Second of the women's field hockey games, second of the men's hockey games, and then finally Tuesday and Wednesday, the women's golf team playing in Hawaii. Nice at the Hawaii Rainbow Wahin Invitational in Kapolei, Hawaii. What a beautiful sight to play golf! Softball did that last year too. Yeah. What could be better? That. It's the end of October. Weather's going to be dreary, dreary outside. How about we go play some golf in Hawaii? Yeah. True. Hopefully the weather's better there. And with that, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbird's news, standings, and stories is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Do check out our YouTube. We just uploaded a new video there. And next up on CITR is CPOP Connection. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jacob, Jake, Liz, Corey, and Nico with contributions from Ben Nelson. Listen Thursdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. on CITR Radio. Or check us out on iTunes at Thunderbird Eye. Thank you for tuning in and have a wonderful rest of your day.